This is the In Focus podcast from the Hindu. Today, instead of the regular In Focus podcast, we have a bonus episode of Worldview with the Hindu's diplomatic affairs editor Suhasini Heather. On February 6th, an earthquake measuring a massive 7.8 on the Richter scale hit southern Turkey or Turkey as it used to be known and parts of Syria, followed by another massive earthquake of the same magnitude just a few hours later. You can imagine the scale of the devastation has been immense, the worst such uh, in the region in uh, nearly a century. More than 16,000 people are already confirmed dead and that number uh, keeps increasing but with a critical period of 72 hours passing this is the big fear that many more bodies that are under the rubble still and will mean that the death toll could rise very sharply in the next few days now in turkey the cities of antakya and of course the province of gaziantep are amongst the worst hit and in syria places like aleppo and idlib the destruction of buildings and roads Uh, have not just you know killed people injured so many cut off communication with many parts food water everything now in short supply and the clock is ticking so a global effort now is underway more than 30 countries are actually a part of the relief effort they're all sending in planes with relief field hospitals are being set up diggers and rescue teams that's the need of the moment including from india from the uk from the us russia china japan Uh, Israel and most European countries now Israel is particularly significant as it has tense ties with Turkey and is at war with Syria and yet has coordinated with both countries um, for assistance for them so what are the factors that are making this rescue a little more difficult than otherwise one bad weather uh, that is hampering relief flights harsh winds snow making condition for those who have survived very difficult unless they are able to get indoors many of course are already living in refugee camps along the turkey syria border and they need immediate assistance uh, as well then of course there are sanctions unilateral western sanctions on syria that have degraded their response systems degraded many of their institutions and now are delaying relief going in as well parts of syria the war torn country are under rebel control some under isis or isis affiliated groups which could of course the worry is that they'll turn violent or try and take advantage of the disaster so how is india helping exactly and of course we've seen those pictures go out the ndrf the national disaster relief fund this is a force this is of course been the force that has worked in a couple of um, of natural disasters in the past we'll tell you more about those they've already flown in close to 100 rescue workers along with dog squads uh, to help with the efforts they're using what is called specialized cssr collapse structure research and rescue equipment and techniques and in fact if you look at this video it shows a 6 year old girl that was rescued by the indian team in nurdagi in gaziantep province A military medical contingent has also been sent it set up a field hospital in turkey for a 30 bed facility and specialists x-ray machines 
ventilators, generators, ambulances, about 25 tons of relief, protective gear, clothes, emergency medicines, medical items have also reached many more to follow. About six planes have gone in all from India by now. In addition, of course, the Indian Embassy on the ground in Ankara has been tracking details of all Indians there in Turkey. About 3,000 uh, live there at present. Uh, information or assistance has already been requested for about 10 Indian nationals there. One Indian national is missing at present. Of course, India is one of the few countries that is helping both Turkey and Syria um, because of all the sanctions, as I said, Western sanctions on Syria. Will India's assistance be a diplomatic game changer? So listen in to what the Ministry of External Affairs, that's really a kind of coordinating body for what they call an all-of-government approach, which includes the military, includes the NDRF, so the MHA, as well as the diplomats in the Ministry of External Affairs. India has, since the tsunami crisis, built up uh, uh, enviable capacity in HADR, that is Humanitarian Assistance and Disaster uh, Relief. Uh, we have, uh, in various parts of the world, uh, stretched ourselves uh, in quick time, whether it was Operation Rahat, Operation Ganga in, in Sri Lanka, in the Philippines, uh, uh, Japan. Uh, all these were operations which were launched with increasing professionalism. And um, this time, the speed at which it was put together. And also, this is probably the furthest we have gone in terms of our HADR involving uh, uh, specialized teams. So we sort of try and live up to our uh, reputation as being uh, first responders and also net security providers um, in, in, some, in these challenging uh, times. So what is that reputation he refers to? Take a look at some of the Indian responses to previous disasters. And as the secretary of the MEA pointed out, uh, somehow 2004 tsunami was a coming of age for India's disaster relief. Remember, 300,000 people died across 12 countries uh, across the Indian Ocean area. India was one of the worst hit in Tamil Nadu and in the Andaman and Nicobar Islands. And yet, New Delhi was able to launch HADR operations, humanitarian assistance and disaster relief operations for Indonesia, Maldives, as well as Sri Lanka. In fact, the Indian Navy deployed about 32 ships, seven planes, 20 helicopters in support of five simultaneous rescue relief and reconstruction missions. Indian naval groups were able to start the rescue operations in our neighboring countries within 12 hours from the time of tsunami. Remember, on December 26th in 2004, uh, it was the first foreign navy to reach in many, if not most, of the cases. Then there was 2005, the India-Pakistan earthquake. Kashmir was the worst hit on both sides of the line of control. About 85,000 dead, mostly on the Pakistani side. And we saw something rare, cooperative relief efforts along the line of control between India and um, Pakistan. Both sides actually coordinated relief uh, um, uh, in, in, in various parts of the LAC. Uh, parts of the LOC were actually even opened up between the two countries. Indian aircraft also flew relief supplies and equipment to Pakistan in three consignments. New Delhi channeled $25 million through a UN uh, fundraising program as well in order to support Pakistan's relief efforts. Then there was 2008, and all of this is very much in the region. Cyclone Nargis hit Myanmar, 
140,000 killed there in Bangladesh as well. India launched Operation Sahayata. Two naval ships, two Air Force planes supplied the first international relief that reached Myanmar. Uh, remember, again, lots of sanctions there. More than 100 tons of relief material in all was sent in there. And of course, Indian team stayed for a very long time and helped also with the reconstruction. And then in 2011, there was a big one in Japan, the Fukushima earthquake uh, and tsunami that killed about 15,000. And what was more dangerous and, and frightening was it caused the meltdown of the Fukushima nuclear power plant there. An Indian relief and rehabilitation team consisting of 46 specialists from the National Disaster Management Authority, the NDMA, were part of a 10-day-long mission uh, that was requested by the Japanese. India offered nuclear safety experts as well. They sent blankets, water and other relief. In the more recent past then, there was the 2015 Nepal earthquake. About 9,000 people died, little less than 9,000 died in the earthquake of a magnitude similar 7.8 um, on the Richter scale. The NDRF deployed 16 teams comprising helicopters, transport aircraft, uh, 700 rescuers went in along with 18 dogs, so these dog squads as well. The government also dispatched about 1,200 tons of relief by rail and road. So it was a very, very large effort for Nepal that India shares an open border with. In addition, uh, Indian aid for the reconstruction effort has been used for rebuilding homes, schools and others. But this did come with some bumps of this magnitude uh, reconstruction effort. But many Nepalis did feel insulted by some of the Indian media coverage of what was seen as India's largesse. So that was something uh, to watch out for. We'll tell you a bit more about that later. Since then, the NDRF and Indian military have been pressed in for operations during the 2017 Mora cyclone in Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, 2019 cyclone Idai in Mozambique. There were three naval warships that were close by and went to help. In far off Fiji, two cyclones hit. 2016, it was called Winston. 2021, it was called Yasa. Uh, the NDRF actually put together a lot of supplies and those were flown in commercially. However, in 2022, despite proximity and the scale of Pakistan floods devastation, uh, Islamabad did not request and New Delhi did not send any aid. So the question does arise diplomatically, what, if anything, does India gain from these kind of massive uh, disaster management, HADR operations, as they are called? The first is, of course, diplomatically speaking, apart from the humanitarian aspect to all of this, because obviously there are some times that India does send in uh, teams, others where it does not or is not able to. Uh, the first is that there is a bilateral ties bump. In this case, uh, with Turkey, it was a reset. Um, ties have been tense between the two countries for some time, particularly over Turkish statements on Kashmir. Even so, the fact that the government put aside its political considerations and sent aid, just as remember Turkey did in sending relief to India during the COVID pandemic in uh, 2021 and the Delta virus in particular, it does help the bilateral relationship as a result. With Syria, of course, India has had a traditional position of supporting Damascus and this solidified India's reputation as a friend there. The second, is that India's global responder image uh, only grows, especially in the year of uh, the G20 presidency for India. 
India's assistance to Turkey and Syria has certainly burnished its image as a leader of the developing world. The fact that India is able to do this, uh, the Indian naval operations that coordinate five uh, simultaneous missions that caught global attention during the 2004 tsunami were really a key reason for the Quad being formed with Australia, Japan and the US. India has showcased its HADR prowess since then, uh, both independently and as part of the Quad in the Indo-Pacific, we've seen these efforts grow. The fourth is that India's military capability really does come out on display, including transporters, field hospitals, technical teams, you know, setting up all of this as well as the big massive uh, C-130s and, uh, you know, and other planes that are sent in. It also improves India's own response time and helps with India's preparation, training and the use of equipment um, for future calamities as well. Diplomatically, of course, there is everything to gain and little to lose by helping a country in its time of need, whether that country is a friend or a foe. However, disaster diplomacy does bring in more dividends in goodwill terms when it is done discreetly, as all nations, especially those in our neighborhood, as we saw with Nepal, have their own sovereign pride. I wrote a little bit about it uh, in a blog called Sound Not the Trumpet, which was written about the Nepal uh, earthquake relief. Uh, I hope you are able to find that. The link is given there, in, especially if you log into www.thehindu.com. Let's get you some more reading recommendations. Three papers on India's HADR in the 21st century. It's called India's Response to Disasters and Humanitarian Assistance in South Asia by Shreya Upadhyay. This is in the Indian Foreign Affairs Journal. Uh, Indian Military Diplomacy, Humanitarian Assistance and Disaster Relief. This is by C. Rajamohan. He wrote it um, at the National University of Singapore, ISAS. As well as a third a paper called Neighborhood First Responder, India's Humanitarian Assistance and Disaster Relief by Sanit Chakradev. And this came out with Brookings. As I said, each of these links are available on the Worldview website uh, on www.thehindu.com. Let's get you some books as well. If you're interested in Turkey, what's happening there. Erdogan's Empire, Turkey and the Politics of the Middle East is written by Sonar Kagapte. Uh, as well as another book which you might find interesting because of the reference to India. It's called A Question of Order, India, Turkey and the Return of Strongmen. This is by Basharat Peer, uh, who's of course an Indian author. Uh, there are some books on the Syrian humanitarian crisis. One of the books that I really enjoyed reading uh, was something called The Girl from Aleppo, Nujin's Escape from War to Freedom. Uh, this is by Nujin Mustafa and Christina Lam. It's a simple book. It's written about this girl who is really in a wheelchair. She's a paraplegic and how she gets out of Syria during its worst times. Uh, another book called Tsunami, Seven Hours That Shook the World. This is by CNN's former correspondent in the region, Satinder Bindra. Uh, I have contributed to the book. You might enjoy reading it, uh, especially its descriptions of the tsunami, which really has been in this century uh, the worst such natural disaster. Then there's Kathmandu Dilemma uh, in Resetting India-Nepal Ties by Ambassador Ranjit Ray. He was there during the 2015 Nepal earthquake. So what I was talking about, the fact that some Nepalis uh, actually took uh, the Indian support and uh, the media coverage of Indian support uh, quite badly. Uh, it writes about how that played out from Kathmandu. 
another interesting book called No Bad News for the King, The True Story of Cyclone Nargis and its Aftermath in Burma by Emma Larkin, writes about Myanmar, Zunta, and how they uh, tried to suppress what had happened during the earthquake there, uh, during the cyclone there. Uh, and of course, the cyclone did change a lot because a few years later, we saw many reforms in Myanmar. Of course, uh, since then, we've seen a setback to democracy in the country. Uh, there is another book, controversial in India, called The Political Biography of an Earthquake, Aftermath and Amnesia in Gujarat uh, by Edward Simpson. This is, of course, about the Bhuj earthquake and how government uh, um, uh, you know, rescue efforts followed uh, actually were very successful but how also a lot got forgotten. Uh, two more books, one called Disaster Diplomacy, How Disasters Affect Peace and Conflict. This is by Ilan Kelma, very, very interesting book, uh, really about some of these countries that have emerged from their conflicts because of a natural disaster and a calamity that kind of brings them together. It's always that uh, situation between neighbors who are warring with each other that sometimes benefit the most. Um, the Disaster Profiteers, How Natural Disasters Make the Rich Richer and the Poor Even Poorer. It's certainly worth thinking about. This is by John C. Mutter. Uh, so there is a lot to think about. And of course, a hope that those rescue efforts in Turkey and Syria are able to succeed in the next few days. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.